Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Billboard Soul Sisters podcast. We're coming at you from the Chord Club tonight with an exciting new artist whose first album is just coming out now. I had the fortune of seeing her perform live last month to a packed house in New York. She blew me away. She blew away everyone in the room. It was quite an experience, so I knew we had to have her here. Her band is pretty rad, too. She has a very interesting story, so we're excited to get to know her better tonight. She is Victoria Reed. Welcome, Victoria. Hey. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Our honor. Um, first things first, did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. And yeah. verdict? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on the game, yeah. on the performances? Um, no, I mean, you know, the, the performance was nice. I think it's just, it's hard because the bar is set so high. You're just so expecting high. like so much oh. oomph. Yes. You know? Oh, and I it's just one we... of those things where it's like, unless you see like a nipple or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, you... <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I, no, I love Beyonce. We got I love it. Beyonce. I think we got that oomph last night. Yeah, it I was. Like it, it came. It came. It came. And it came. But in, and it did not come with Coldplay. God bless absolutely them. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it was right. God bless them. They did great. <laughs> but when Formation came out the night before, and then and then they actually did Formation yeah, on you the know, field, full on with a I don't know how many people mm-hmm. dancing that number. Oh I think I messed up. Oh. I didn't watch the video the day before. I saw it and then something happened and I didn't watch it. Also, I missed the first, I basically missed the entire Coldplay part of it because I was in the kitchen trying to get water to boil for whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I got there like right as Beyonce was coming on. So I didn't get you didn't maybe the, the full Im- Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> yeah. full <laughs> impact of the ju- juxtaposition. Yeah, the juxtaposition helps, I think. Um, I don't know. That's good. It's I'm good to have different opinions about yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was blown away. You were. And you Absolutely. tweeted about it. You, I did. I was You I was tried inspired. to counterbalance the, the snark on Twitter. What did you well, tweet? Well, there wasn't really... I didn't see much snark about Beyonce Bruno. I thought there was a lot of snark about Chris. Yes. No, that's true. But, but I thought that people were in for Beyonce Bruno. And the, there was the, for the head-to-head, the West Side Story kind of showdown dancing where they were just looking directly into the camera. Oh, my God. It was, yeah it. no no it was great it, it was, was pretty great it was great also like you know i was at a party like the volume wasn't really loud enough there's like so many a, factors a smaller tv that, sure. yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> what about gaga um i missed it oh, <laughs> we oh, were late yeah. i'm <laughs> all in i know i saw like a snippet <laughs> of it when i got home um on some kind of newscast and 
I mean, it looked awesome. She she rocked it. Yeah, she's doing that's, the that's the word, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long do you think this Beyonce moment is gonna ride on for? I think forever. Forever. I think, I think it's I think only gonna build. To I do too. I'm really impressed that it's still at this point. It's just like a permanent <sighs> peak for her. I think but we like had that a video. Void. We were ready for this this person to come in and step into that role of biggest star in the mm-hmm. world, and she has the talent. That's true. She has the talent. She has she has the entourage. She has the family the everything and there's just like an intensity there that's just and she's a crazy crazy talent Mm -hmm. yeah she's fantastic and that video i watched that video today and i was just like all right i'm pumped up like i love that video i love the song i'm so down (laughs) um the highlight for me was the picture of apple martin and blue ivy holding hands oh (laughs) which i know like could be nauseating you could go either way on it i'm deciding to love it i didn't even see that yeah what's that um, Gwyneth and Chris's son Apple yeah. was like holding hands with Blue leading her to the Super Bowl Aww. Aww. that's just cute Blue's cute <laughs> she is really yeah. cute that's anyway. really cute oh I oh did see that uh, I saw that you saw it yeah okay. like, oh, well. yeah you know <laughs> it didn't have the same impact on you no no okay <laughs> babies meh <laughs> famous babies famous babies no, they don't kidding. do it animals no, and babies I don't I'm not whoa I know. Animals. We should do a whole <laughs> podcast on that someday. That's a whole f- faction of... I know. I'm going to alienate, yeah. alienate a lot of people with that. Well, I like Anyway. It. Controversial podcast <laughs> already. Super controversial. Yeah. Um, so you're from Detroit. Does that mean you had to be a big football fan growing uh, up? I mean, no. Okay. <laughs> I was a big hockey fan. Oh, were you? I still am. Okay. Yeah. Were your parents big hockey fans? Yeah. 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 My dad huge hockey fan we would go to all the games my dad would like play the national anthem and we'd go to the playoff games and just get like i mean i i think the most pumped up i've ever like other than the beyonce video yesterday the most (laughs) pumped up i've ever been was when i was like i must have been like 11 years old and the red wings won the stanley cup and i was just like i've never felt an intensity like that wow (laughs) so we should tell the the audience also your dad was playing the saxophone yeah at for like as a playing the national anthem yeah solo he would do yeah and he also did this thing at, at one point during the playoffs one year where he played like a, a whole pre-show thing before each game and he would skate around and play the saxophone what? or like flags <laughs> it was crazy that's impressive yeah, yeah. where do you where do you, <laughs> i wonder where that fares in the on the spectrum of crazy things that you were a part of and witnessed to when you were yeah. growing up <laughs> I mean, that's pretty wild <laughs> You're like, that's the least of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty tame. <clears throat> All right. Your dad, I this is the most important thing I need to know. Alto Reed is not the name he was born with, right? No. Okay. No. Because that would have been amazing yeah. if he was given that name and I then know. there's only one thing he could become with a name like that would be a saxophone player. Right. Okay. But that's not the it's not the case. Yeah, not the case. Okay. Yeah. He um I don't know I don't know when he changed it, but I think he just started going by I don't know, someone started calling him that. Yeah. And then it stuck. And I don't know. I mean, I my last name is legally Reed. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> I inherited the, <laughs> the the fake name. But that wasn't his real last name either? <laughs> no. That's so good. I know. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Full switcheroo. What, what, what was his given name? Um, The given name. Well, it's kind of complicated. There's, okay. like, there's like there's a lot of names. A lot of names going around in this family. Yeah. There's a Greek name. There's Theodoropolis. Super Greek. And then there's, I don't even know if it's Finnish and there's Cartmel. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That was the first and last name. No. 
His his first name was Tommy. Oh, Thomas. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then he became alto Reed. Yeah. When he became a saxophonist, and when did he join the Bob Seger band? Um, maybe early seventies or late sixties. Okay. Yeah, very early on. So you were born into that world. Yeah. That must have been crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was crazy, but it's, you know, it's also one of those things where when you grow up in a certain situation, it's all you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, I mean, you start to catch on at a certain point where you're like, oh, this is pretty different than <laughs> like, oh, most of your friends. You're like, what does your dad do? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, he leaves in the morning, comes yeah. back at night. Yeah. Um, Opposite for you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I was also really fortunate because. Um, in, in, in some way, because when I was born, it was right around a time that they had taken basically 10 years off from touring. So the first six years of my life, he was just around. And I knew what he did, and we'd hear the songs on the radio, and like I got it, but it wasn't until I was six that I first went to a show and was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Other people think this is a big deal. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember that experience? What what show that Um that? It was in Detroit. Well, I just remember going to the rehearsals. They had the rehearsals at the State Theater there, which is now the Fillmore. Um, so it's a pretty big theater. And I'm like, oh, wow, like this is cool. And I was thinking that's what the show was going to be. And then the show was at like the Palace of Auburn Hills or something, which is a giant, you know, <laughs> giant stadium. Or Do you call that a stadium? I don't know. <laughs> what do you? I don't know what the technical word is. <laughs> Probably. Arena? Sounds right. Arena. Arena. Okay. <laughs> Gary's looking at me. Um... <laughs> um yeah, so I went to that show and I was just like, oh, man, this is crazy. I mean, you know, when you're little, you're six years old, you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool, you know? Yeah. I saw a video on YouTube of your dad playing at some point in the 80s. And yeah. it was the old time rock and roll where he has that big solo. Uh-huh. And like, he's not just in the band. He was like a boss. Like when that moment comes, <laughs> he's like out there running back and forth. That was like a huge moment in the show oh, yeah. featuring yeah. him. Yeah, he's very present. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a showman in the band. Yeah, totally. I mean, he used to. He used to. I think before Britney Spears was doing it, he would attach himself um, to the ceiling with wires and fly and play the saxophone. Whoa! Yeah, that's amazing. I never got to see that. He stopped doing that, I guess, in like the seventies or the eighties. Yeah. So. You know. Did he have like one near accident? No, <laughs> he, like, well, he actually started doing it because before that he would, I guess he would go out on um, his his roadie shoulders um, at some point in the show or like he had a thing where he'd always like show up in the back of the arena or something like that. And at one point he was going out and doing solos on the shoulders of his tech and some woman, I guess he was wearing a scarf because he loves scarves <laughs> um, and As maybe, maybe like do. the one that you were wearing now. <laughs> yeah, okay. um, and someone grabbed his scarf and like kind of choked him and he was like oh I can't really go into the crowd anymore but I still want to do something so then he would like stand on the amplifiers and then at some point someone designed like a Peter Pan harness for him and (laughs) he started flying that is awesome is that something that you would like to eventually work up to in your shows do you have that same instinct yeah I'm working on it goals (laughs) yeah goals. goals um but he also sang which I didn't realize or was it just one I mean I, he does everything, you know, he, he plays tambourine, he plays a big Tiffany drum at one point, um, he plays guitar, yeah, so utility how, guy. How much were you around that? So you would go, you went to your first show and you were six years old, yeah. then was it a continual thing um, that you were always there? Were you backstage? How how much was that a part of your life? Um, you know, it was, it was in and out from there, because they weren't touring as heavily as they were back in, in the day. 
Um, but when they were on tour, we would go to, we were missing a lot of school. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I once fell asleep atop an amplifier on the side of the stage. Um, that's, I guess, how regular right. of a thing it was. I was just like, Ugh. I remember being really bummed because it was the LA show and that was like my first time going to LA and I'm like, I'm going to meet JTT, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor <laughs> oh Thomas. And I was so mad at myself. Like after the show, I'm like, Oh my, I don't know why I just assumed that he would be there, you know, because yeah. of course we're in Hollywood. He's going to, I don't know. He attends every show or whatever I was thinking, but I woke up and I was just pissed. I'm like, how did you let me fall asleep? Oh no. And my That's sister annoying. probably like lied to me or something and told me he was there. Uh, I remember every time he used to come to New York when I was a kid, uh-huh. I thought we were going to see Luke Perry, <laughs> even though he like obviously lived in LA and didn't, why, why would he just be walking yeah. around the streets of New York and why would I run into him? Similar but I would prepare. JTT we're talking? Well, for or me, Luke it Perry. was Luke Perry. Okay. I mean, I also love JTT, but okay. I'm saying my version of that was right. like working up in my mind what I was going to say to Luke when I saw him yeah. in New York. You're like, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I try, like, wore the coolest six-year-old outfit you could possibly wear right. that mm-hmm. <laughs> So children. you're there. You're around that growing up. Yeah. What was your feeling at that point where you saying to yourself, this is what I want, like, this is rad, or... Um, like this this is wild i need some quiet <laughs> i need to be in my bed what was your feeling do you remember i mean i loved that evolving? it no i mean I, lo- I i loved everything about it you know it's the it's it's the most fun thing in the world and it's just so thrilling you're in those you know those backstages and those arenas and it's just like just such an, an amazing energy you know um and i think even before that you know, my sister and I, we both sang a lot and wrote songs at a very young age. Um, I probably started doing it because she did it. And I was like, oh, that sure garners a lot of attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can write a song. Um, so, yeah, we would sing and write songs from a really young age. And I I don't know if maybe somewhere it was like imprinted upon our, you know, our brains just over like family family dinners where my parents would talk about you know, Bob and the music yeah. industry and songwriting. What did your whatever, mom do? What was she doing in this time? Um, she, I mean, so initially she was a, a Playboy bunny. Um, okay. But stopped that. Like in what era? Um, in the eighties, in the eighties. Yeah. Okay. In Miami. Um, and that's how her and my dad met somehow. Amazing. That's around. Do you the know time more details met. about how no. they met? <laughs> well, kind of, but I, <laughs> you don't know what you should share. <laughs> I mean, no I just found out a funny detail about my my best friend now and her father who introduced them on the docks um of their boats basically in Miami and whatever there was a funny detail that I'll keep to myself (laughs) that's why I'm laughing that's so great I don't know like anything else weird it's it's fine it's probably for the best yeah but was she doing that when you were growing up at all or she no she was yeah she was around you know she um yeah she 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 did a lot person also yeah she I mean she she went to art school so she's an artist she was a model she was an actress so you were getting Um, it from both sides yeah totally and you know she kind of she managed managed the household in in a big way Uh and you know when my dad had his solo pursuits then after the the Seeger thing she helped out a lot with that so okay she she was very involved and in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to know how they individually felt about you pursuing the music thing. Um, like for your dad, did your dad used to warn you about it or try to steer you away from it? Um, no, no, no. not really. They, what about they in your dating it. life? I bet he said, don't date musicians. Um, 
You know, he never said that. No? Okay. He he really didn't. And I, I guess, you know, he didn't and now I am. So <laughs> now I'm marrying one. <laughs> so it's better off. Um, yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they were both really, they, they always encouraged it. You know, anytime I, I wrote a new song or anything, it was just like, they were just so thrilled, you know, they, they loved it. They never pushed us to do anything, which, you know, is one of those things where you're like, why didn't you make me learn an instrument? Or like, why did you let me quit piano? And they did that, that happened. So you didn't really learn an instrument growing up. They, you know, I, I took piano lessons for a very short period of time and then I lost interest, I guess. And they were just like, fine. Did he try to teach you sax? No, no. I, I don't even think I've ever held a sax. Really? <laughs> I feel like maybe like touched one. <laughs> but you would. <laughs> I, should, I should maybe try. <laughs> Um, you would write though at at a young age and yeah. share it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just I couldn't wait to share it. Just sing acapella. acapella. Yeah, and I mean I had melodies and everything, you know. And then starting, I guess, around middle school, um, with my both my sister and I, my parents would kind of like hook us up with a, a producer or whatever, who, or someone just at the house, you know, one night. That um, there's this awesome producer, Tim Mitchell, who came over one night and had a guitar. Um, and I just kind of started singing and for the first time he kind of put, you know, guitar (laughs) to, to my music, to my songs. And we just, my dad like set up a little recording rig in our great room that night. And we just like, that was the first time I ever recorded. That was when I was like 12. Um, and then I did a little bit in Miami there with him, but you know, it's like you're 12 and your, your tastes are changing so much. Like on one hand, you're like, you're, you know, you were just like, knee deep into the Spice Girls like a few years before that and then like yeah, I was gonna ask like, like, who are you emulating at that <laughs> right. point uh I don't know because then you're like oh Nirvana you know what I mean right, right. you're like well wait a minute here you're like a sponge at that point yeah totally so what did your stuff sound like at 12 um <laughs> I mean they were just acoustic um tracks so it's kind of hard to pin down yeah like what were the songs about what was your source material um, from life. I guess I was like a really emo, like yeah. a, a <laughs> 11 year old or 12 year old. Um, I don't know. Like the first song we ever recorded was called Moving On. It was just about like the transience of things, I guess. It was just like. <laughs> Little tinges funny. of philosophy coming yeah. in. Really. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was basically just about how, you know, and not in a morbid kind of way, but about how I, I, I sat there and I, I realized how everything that I was surrounded by was going to be gone at some point one day, which sounds really sad. But then it was like, it was like, okay, I'm just moving on. You know, okay, so yeah. that was my, that was my resolve about it. Like, oh, Were you like a really on. pensive kid? Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess. I Brooding, my, would you say? My family would probably describe me as that. No. Okay. No, I've always been pretty like light and silly. Right. You know? You're processing things, but you're not Pensive in like a silly kind of way. Yeah. 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 No, that came later. Right. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, but tell us about Miami. Miami. Yeah, so we, I grew up kind of back and forth between Detroit and Miami. Mostly in Detroit, but... Um, Why Miami? Uh, my parents liked it. Okay. They lived there. So they, they lived there. there? Around, yeah. Okay. They lived there before I was born. Like, my sister was born there. They lived there for years. Um, and we always kind of had a place there. We would go sometimes, like, once a month just to escape Detroit winters yeah. and... Yeah, my, they have a lot of really close friends there still. So, yeah, Miami. I love Miami. I feel like it's sometimes hard for me to, when people ask where I'm from, I just say Detroit because it doesn't quite capture the whole thing. It's like I have, like, the Detroit, like, 
down home midwestern hockey vibe going. hockey right. vibe right but then i also have like the spicy my i i'm a little bit spicy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i am but i feel like i got that from miami like when i'm in miami and I, I go all the time still i feel very much in my element so yeah it it's a nice balance me. yeah I have a really good friend whose fiance is from Miami and she uh-huh. keeps telling me that they're probably going to move there eventually. And I give her a lot of shit for it because I have a stereotype of Miami in my head <laughs> and I don't do. think I've really spent much time there. I don't know if I've actually been to Miami. Maybe I've only been to... You would know, I West feel like. Yeah, I think I would know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's like Miami from movies uh-huh. that I'm probably mistaking for memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, it's and what's happened to Miami in the past like five years is really cool. There's like an an emerging, I think, Art Basel, you know, the Mm -hmm. um, the art festival started. I don't know when they started doing it down there. I started going like that. It was I didn't I don't know how long it's Mm -hmm. been. I started attending when I was like in high school Mm -hmm. attending like the events, you know, so um, that wasn't that long ago. But it just recently in the past few years, it's just blown up. And now entire neighborhoods are kind of coming up around it. And there's this whole other element to Miami that wasn't fully developed there before. Scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really cool. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, you, you think like the Miami Vice, like right. cheesy or like <laughs> some kind of like, I don't know, like rap music video. Right. Scene, There's which like, like a it, lot that's of there. Oh, that's, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. that's there. That's there. That's very, very, Whatever very much there. Want to look for but there's also find. other really cool scenes that, that you know, I've been able to, to seek out. And it's, I think it's also one of those things where it's like if you have family there or really good family friends, you know, your experience of that place is going to be so different. Yeah. So you went down there and you yeah. recorded how much stuff? Um, I don't know, maybe like four or five songs. Okay. Yeah. And then what was the plan for those? Um, so I was working with this producer. So he, he produced Shakira. He worked with, um, Gloria Stefan. So like, he was like, you know, pretty, pretty heavy in the scene and very Miami. Yeah. Very Miami. Right. (laughs) But was this like someone that your dad knew or how did this guy come into your life? I don't know how my parents met him, but at one point he toured with Seeger. He played guitar with him. So, um, yeah, he was just always kind of around. He's a really awesome guy. Um, but he uh, he started just producing tracks, and then I would put my songs to them, or I would present a song to him, and he would build a track. How was it. that? Because I, if I had been in the recording studio at 14, <laughs> I would have been just <laughs> gleeful out of my mind. I mean, because you had been around it all of these years, was it a little, a little bit less of a big moment? I mean, I, no, I was definitely feeling... excited. I was definitely excited. I think, you know... I don't know. It, and it, it wasn't like there was a lot of pressure or anything either. I think I think part of it was really just trying to find like I was always like a little bit embarrassed of of the songs for some reason. I don't know why. I think I I mean I just wasn't very confident about it. And also like like I remember at one point he Tim asked me to make him a playlist of like songs that I was really into. And I put like all this like heavy stuff on there, like thinking like, like yeah, right. Even though I totally was into other things too, I just like maybe wanted to show him like no, I'm, I'm, I'm also a little, I'm, I'm also like, a little I'm, bit emo. Yeah. <laughs> like I put like brand new on there or something. Um, and he was like, oh no, I'm. I feel like I've been doing. I've been making these tracks in a completely different. Because I don't know. He was thinking like 13 year old girl, <laughs> and they were cool. I mean, they were they were awesome tracks, but. I think maybe that's why it never quite stuck for me is, mm. you know, I, I kind of grew out of that sound and I don't know. So what was he trying to do with those songs? Was it like get them to I don't know, radio we or good. get them to 
Disney Channel. Or... And that was sort of more on you to say, okay, I have these tracks. And yeah, I don't really know what the, what the plan was. Mm. There was never, a, I don't know if there was a plan. Like, did anyone hear them, to your knowledge? You just kind of had them. I played them home. for some people, but I don't know. I, Like I said, I kind of lost interest. Yeah. In, Do they still exist? Yeah. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Maybe for like your 20th album, that can be like bonus track. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so then did it sort of follow from around that time, let's say 14? Yeah. That you were doing that, that recording? <laughs> Through college, I mean, then take us through the evolution from the point where you're recording these songs and you sort of get disillusioned. Yeah, back into the groove. Um, well, we moved so we we moved to Miami to to kind of pursue that, and then a, a number of different things happened, and we ended up moving back to Detroit. Um, and then I think I just I was just like a full fledged high schooler. You know what I mean? I was like I never there really wasn't one period in my life where I wasn't singing and writing songs personally. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't really actively pursuing anything at that point um, in high school. And then I got to college, and you know I, I toyed around at one point with the idea of like maybe like joining a Craigslist band. And there were, there must have been like I I, I apologize. Because there were probably like three people that I just completely stood up. It was just like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to sing these weird songs. Like, because part of it was, you know, I really wanted to sing my songs. I really wanted to. I had so many, you know, when you have like, I mean, I don't know how many I had. Dozens, if not, you know, whatever. Um, you know, you want to you want to express those. And then you're like, okay, I could join this band and like sing these covers that they play or whatever. I don't know. And I think my friends that were musicians, I just felt like they're so cool. They don't want to play my like nerdy little songs, you know? It's intimidating. It's yeah. And I think there's something about when you don't play an instrument and you're just like American Idol, like, all right, let me sing you a little ditty right here. <laughs> it's very like... It is kind it's of personal. I mean, it's <laughs> for me, it was. I don't know, and and I'm also like, as a vocalist, I never f- felt like I was an American Idol type vocalist. Like I should, you know, go audition and do that because for me, it was just more about the songs, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I loved to sing, but um, yeah. And then I always had a guitar, though. Always had a guitar laying around, and at one point, I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is stupid. Like I need, I need to do something. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll just like build some tracks on GarageBand. So I made this one song on GarageBand that was like kind of like zero seventy sounding. Um, and it, I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. And then I'm like, maybe I should do more. And then I, that, that software is like pretty limited. So 
I then was like, oh, maybe I should, you know, upgrade. And I got Ableton Live, which I don't know if you know about it, but it's like pretty intense. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) It was very difficult for me to learn. And at that point, I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna learn guitar. It's like, (laughs) come on, (laughs) whatever. Like that would be easier. It's like a funny backwards impetus, you know? Exactly. Screw this technology. I'm going back to the Yeah, and I'm like pretty good with technology, but I was just like, I don't know. That's a lot. (laughs) And then like to perform these songs, I'm gonna have to like press play on a track. And I'm like, I just want to start like doing this, you know? So when was this? Um, This was when I was about 20 or 21. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so then I, I picked up the guitar and I learned. My dad had taught me. Um, it seemed like everyone that ever taught me anything, like my dad and like funny boyfriends along the way, would like teach me a G chord. So <laughs> I knew G, you know, and I kind of went from there. I learned a Seeger song first because my dad had taught me some of those chords. That's awesome. Which one? Um, still the same. Okay. Yeah. And uh, then maybe like a few Fiona, Fiona Apple tunes mm-hmm. and things like that. And I then feel like Fiona would be hard. Mm. No? Yeah, well, I like altered them. Okay. I like dumbed <laughs> them down a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they were. I dumbed them down. How did you learn? Um, just the internet. Yeah, I just, um, I would look up, you know, chord shapes and, and figure it out. I took a few lessons um, with a friend of mine at one point, but I was just so like just right off the bat I think before I could barely even play guitar I started writing songs on the guitar you know I could really barely even play but it was just such a liberating feeling to be like oh my god I can finally accompany myself um that I just went nuts with it I mean I do you have a roommate that you are bombarding (laughs) with new material oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I actually it's funny because in my bedroom in in Wicker Park in Chicago at the time there was like I would play in my bedroom and I would always have the window open. I'm a windows open kind of person, kind of, I guess. Um, is that a thing? Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about that. Like what else would that imply? That? Like, <laughs> a nice open. way to describe somebody Free in like an bird. abstract I way. love yeah. having the window open. It just feels like, it, I don't know, it brings more life in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was my neighbor across the way. And one, at one point I noticed that he was like sitting there listening to me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, we love it. No, yeah, keep playing. Your nice. first fan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it really felt like my first fan. <laughs> Um, but so very, I, I probably had been learning to play guitar for about two, three weeks and I started doing open mics. I was just like, Dude, get me, brave, get me so out bold. there. Oh my God. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what was going through these people's heads that were listening to me. They were probably just like, what? Or, or your head. Can you uh, like go back and channel <sighs> that feeling of bravery? And I mean, because I was just a- psyched. <laughs> I was so psyched to be doing it. You're like I can I can play and sing. Yeah. I mean and and learning guitar so quickly and having the balls to play for yourself in front of people. I guess I was a little sing. bit crazy. I mean, <laughs> but it worked out. I mean, how, how did it go right off the bat? It was went it, great. Was, I mean, you know, open mics are awesome and I don't know if it's like this everywhere but in Chicago there were a few that I go to and everyone was really cool and oh, and everyone's really supportive, you know. Um, Where did you go to school? To DePaul. Okay. Yeah. And everyone was really supportive and it, you know, it's, it's a really good place to kind of like test out your, your material or whatever. So I was doing that and also simultaneously recording, uh, garage band demos in my bedroom, um, that I would just like 
just like slap a whole ton of reverb on and just like make yeah. them sound like super lo-fi because I couldn't get them to be hi-fi. Yeah. Um, so I had like my little rig that was, I mean, incredibly jerry-rigged, like a microphone like tied with a rubber band to like a broomstick, like <laughs> tied to the wall or, you know, something crazy. But I was just, I started recording these little songs. Who yeah. knew about all this at that point? Were you open about the fact that you were now going for it or did you? Yeah. I mean, I started sharing them on Facebook right away. Which, um, luckily, uh, I was doing that because my now manager had discovered one of them on Facebook and invited me to New York, and that's kind of how everything wow. took off. We're not going to go so. there yet, because <laughs> I want to talk about the philosophy thing. Yeah. Because uh-huh. while you were doing all this, you were also a philosophy major. Oh, yeah. Which, like, I always remember thinking the philosophy majors at my school were the smartest and least motivated people that I knew in college, (laughs) you know, like they were brilliant and they were Uh really devoted to that subject and to thinking about it. But you could also feel like they might not have a job for a long time after (laughs) school. It's like it it felt incredibly irresponsible to to be like, okay, I'm going to study philosophy. But, you know, I was doing it. Um it was just a very personal mission, you yeah. know, and I kind of did it thinking like, well, I'm going to do music eventually anyway. So uh-huh. while I'm here in college, I might as well bide my time doing something that interests me, which is a very expensive way to bide your time. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, ideally that's what you should be able to do in college. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean about the people that I was thinking about that they weren't going to get a job because they weren't going to try to get a job, like regardless of the fact yeah. that you can't even really get a job in philosophy right after college. Yeah. But were you interested in that before you went to college or? Um, I guess I was always a little bit philosophical just by nature. Right. And I took um, a philosophy class my first quarter at DePaul and I was just like, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, Anyone in particular? Hmm. So like what was getting you jazzed You know, up? here's the thing. And I don't know if, I think there are also other types of philosophy majors that are like even so extra lazy and so like just involved <laughs> in your own personal mission that you're like, I really wouldn't even hook on to like certain figures as much as I would just the ideas themselves mm-hmm. and just like build my, like whatever my little master theory was going to be. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I wish that I had studied some philosophy because I remember trying to teach myself a little bit after college yeah. and like I bought being in nothingness mm-hmm. and my coworker and I were trying to like read it on our lunch breaks it's and weird, figure it out right? together. And we were like, we, we'll never wrap our minds around this on our own. Yeah, you know, without having a, a guide there, it, it, it's pretty like, you open up the book, you're just like, oh, what? Yeah. Come it's on. Hard. It's dense. Really? You know? So you were enjoying it for a while? Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was just like full throttle. I, um, and it, it is that sort of thing where like, you, do, you don't even show up to your other classes. Like, you're so lazy. You're just like, whatever. I don't care. You're like failing out of other classes, like dropping classes left and right. But like, philosophy but straight A's. thinking about the major issues of existence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got super intense into it. I was doing an independent study with the head of the philosophy department at one point. Like I was, oh, so you really it was just were. weird what because I think on? like, I don't know, there's something that happens where you know, you feel smart, like when you're little, maybe, and then something happens along the way where you start concerning yourself with things other than grades. And you're like, Oh, I'm maybe not smart, you know, and then I got into philosophy. And I was like, wait a minute here. And like, I don't know, like my professors kind of would would egg me on a little bit. And all of a sudden, I just felt like, I don't know, I'm really good at thinking. (laughs) I don't know, I got really good at it. Um, 
so good at that. I would like wake up in the morning and just like right away, just start just going, breaking things down. Yeah. Was there like a particular thing you were trying to unlock or like a particular obsession? You know, something concerning just spirituality. Yeah. And and just that that link there. Okay. Um, Yeah. I was simultaneously also delving pretty deep into spiritual pursuits. I was working at a spa for the spirit. Um, at the time, tell us, tell us what that means. <laughs> um, there's this place in Chicago called the Ruby Room. Okay, um, where it's like a typical spa, but then they also offer like energy healing and um, aura readings and all sorts of things. My um, boyfriend's mother at the time was a psychic, and I would help her. Um, I would assist her in like her classes on developing your intuition. So I was like... Had you dabbled in that stuff before? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My parents were, were and still are pretty spiritual yeah. and pretty, like, open. Like, we had a psychic not in the religious. family growing up. Hmm. Um, yeah, or was no, it also we religion? To, we would go to church. We were Greek Orthodox. Okay. Um, that's, yeah. So when you say spiritual, are you talking about that or that and the whole thing. other realm that includes psychics? Yeah. 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 Both. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. Just That's interesting. So I would think that like some religions like it's it's like more exclusive yeah like they wouldn't want you to go into that yeah yeah i think they had their own little version yeah you know um yeah they they encountered some people along the way i think my parents together that like i said like our family psychic that she ended up being that was kind of i don't know maybe just introduced them to certain things and yeah you had a family psychic yeah that you would go to together um, I mean, we wouldn't like get formal readings. My parents would get readings from her. My sister and I didn't really when we were younger, but she lived in Colorado. And um, yeah, whenever we were in Colorado, we'd go to shows um, or whatever out there. And then we, you know, always get together with Zena and just kind of talk about some deep shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to say that? Yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't I don't do the psychic thing. And I 100 percent admit it's because I'm scared. Yeah. Well, you know what? I just, I don't want to open that door. Well, what I would say about that is that, you know, you shouldn't just go to any psychic because that you're really kind of like putting a lot in someone's hands there. And I mean, not to get too trippy on you. No, let's do it. um, Let's go there. what, What I've learned is just that there's, you know, you can access that kind of psychic information at different levels and levels that are like kind of murky and then levels that are really like angelic and pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you never know who you're going to get. And so when you're like, what's my future? What does my future hold? <laughs> the biggest um, question you can ask, right? Yeah. I mean, the, like um, the, the, the psychic that I, that I would assist, she would say that, you know, you should never tell someone what's in their future yeah. because you, you're basically like cursing someone when you say that. And there's always an element of free will. So you can't really tell someone right. what their future holds. Mm-hmm. So if anyone... Or you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, so with the psychics that you enjoy or the family psychic, what kind of readings is she giving then? If wait, it's not... Was she a family a member or a, or a psychic for the family? She was just a family. psychic for the family. Okay. <laughs> it's like family doctor. Family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just insight. She, she also was an astrologist, okay. um, astrologer. Um, she would just offer insights into like what particular energies you could capitalize on at the moment or or things you know you know just offer deeper insights into Mm -hmm. things okay yeah so it's kind of like a therapist exactly yeah 
um, I read Lena Dunham's book recently. Yeah. And she had it at the beginning of one of her chapters. I'm going to misquote it. But she said something like, uh, quoting her mom, who said, why spend thousands of dollars on therapy every year when you can just spend $100 and see a psychic once? Yeah. You know? (laughs) That's funny. And because there is, there's something, there's a weight to it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I love getting a good reading, but I'll, but I don't do it often. I'll do it every, you know, yeah, once a year or something. Are you still religious? Do you still go to church, or have you kept any of that with you? Um, no, I don't really go to church. I visit a lot of churches when I'm traveling. Yeah, or whatever. I, I I love churches, but I don't go to church. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm, have you kept that also? I mean, that that faith. The, this, the, um, the faith yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm pretty spiritual yeah. person, but that just sounds so lame, you know? But whatever, no, it's, it's, it's just, a big part of my life and how I in, interpret yeah. my life, you know? I mean, and it sounds like it almost, all of the elements in such a nice sort of neat way have yeah. led to even where we are today, but a certain, oh, yeah. but especially speaking in where, where we're at right now and the story is, is go, you know, trying music, then really trying to explore yourself, explore your mind, explore the realms of spirituality. <laughs> I mean, this was all part of, this was all... It all feeds into the yeah. art that you end up making. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. It's like, what's the recipe that created this? <laughs> right. Is why I'm like prodding about the <laughs> yeah. spirituality thing. It's just interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, so I was simultaneously going deep into spirituality, deep into philosophy, just like throwing caution to the wind, like... You know, it's almost like you 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 get you go on some sort of trip a little bit where you're just like, I'm the smartest person in the world. Mm-hmm. I am like, I'm so. Yeah, that's tapped what college in, is about. I'm so <laughs> tapped into like something spiritually. You know, I, it, it it's funny. And then, yeah. um, well, at a certain point, <laughs> I kind of had a little bit of a ground dropping out moment. Yeah. What was that moment? Um. About. You know, I just went. I went too far you know it was just like I was so trapped I was so intense well I think what happens is you know when you're going deep into spirituality or experiencing you know things that are a little bit um I keep using the word intense um but yeah I guess intense and then when you're deep into philosophy you're trying to process it from your intellect which is what I thought maybe I could do I thought like okay maybe um you know, like I, I was very interested in the idea of combining Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy and seeing how the two met. And I felt like maybe I could somehow um, access this, all this stuff in, a, in, in an intellectual way. And you can't. You just can't. And it's not because it's, it's nonsensical. It's because it's, it, it's a feeling. You know what I mean? It's like you can't think a feeling. Mm-hmm you know yeah and boy once you like realize that it's uh yeah (laughs) you have a moment you know I don't did you feel depressed or did you did it make you anxious like what was that (laughs) I just felt very lost yeah you know I mean you hear about what happens to people when they have an existential crisis I don't use the the word lightly because like people are like yeah that happens to me if I have one a day I'm like no like no I actually had one (laughs) yeah it was really scary yeah it was really really scary um and for a while there I was really just kind of paralyzed by just in fear did you leave school oh yeah um I mean before you well, I left, was left. I was in school um, at the time, and I was doing this independent study, which was very um, just um, intense. It was, it was weighty. <laughs> it, was <intense. laughs> it was a lot um, doing this independent study, and 
And I left one day because I just had this big moment and I came um, to that professor the next time and I was like, listen, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. I'll lose my mind, you know? And he's like, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. You know, that, that happens. And he was really cool and supportive. I think in a lot of ways he almost maybe even felt like, oh, shoot, I pushed her too far because wow. we were going pretty far. Um, so it was like the whiplash of philosophy students. Yeah, 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 totally. And you hear, you know, I, I honestly, I've talked to other philosophy students or people who are ex-philosophy majors, and they're just like, they should warn you that it's not, you know, it's pretty. If you go, if you go deep, it's gonna. Yeah, be hard. it's you know, it's it's you should proceed with caution, kind of. Yeah, I know that sounds so ridiculous, and I'm sure that I mean, there's millions of people that study philosophy and they don't have that issue, but um. Yeah, for whatever reason I did and it was it was really scary, but um I got a, a whole album's worth of songs yeah, out of it. I, mean, I feel like I got a lifetime worth of Is that what this album is about? about a rich rich place to draw from. Yeah, you know, and you know and it sounds so pitiful like part of me is like, "Oh, let's sing about my struggles, my intense struggles." Like, well, actually I've had it things have been pretty all right, you know, and sometimes you think about I don't know just your own little like psychological hang-ups and you're like oh, god get over it what's the big deal like oh this poor girl had an existential crisis it's such a first world problem you know what i but mean it's so but it's not how your album comes off and it's not yeah, what, what well, you put into it which not. is beautifully uh beautifully done but the other thing that i thought was interesting from just listening to a little sneak peek of the album mm-hmm. which i guess we'll, we'll get into a little bit um we know about the spirituality and this existential crisis, all of these ideas, these big ideas, but a lot of the songs and the themes on the album are actually about what a lot of people make music about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's sort of a more lighthearted, even though it can be tremendously impactful yeah. and hard and, you know, depressing and all of those things, but it's heartache. And so I'm curious how, what the intersection was at that point. So you're going, you're in college, you're going through this very intense study of mm-hmm. philosophy but do you also have a boyfriend yeah you're and still where does the i, I where always does was the, dating where does the writing happen in terms of so you're dating this guy you're studying this stuff what is the writing what's the uh sort of breakdown of like are you writing about heartache are you writing about your experiences it everything what was the therapeutic element and how did that work for you um it was just everything as it occurred to me you know what i mean it's like it wasn't I didn't just shut down completely. I still went about living my life when I was in that very lost period. Um, although I did decide to drop out of school and, and focus on music, but I was... Um, With one semester left. Yeah. I know, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. But I couldn't. I couldn't. I went to go take finals. Yeah, no, you were like saving yourself. And I was right. like, I can't think about can't this anymore, you yeah. know? Um yeah, but so it was just, you know, feeling things so intensely and not knowing what to do. And and honestly, I know this might sound a little bit trite, but the only thing that brought me any relief was when I was writing songs or playing open mics. It just like for those three minutes, I would feel like kind of okay and kind of normal. And then like the second I was done, I was just like all locked up and on fire again you know did you have to remind yourself oh this is what I had in mind all along or was it always like you're like yeah this feels right because you say throughout your life you knew that this is what you wanted to do but it sort of hadn't emerged and presented itself yet yeah were you like oh yeah okay click like this makes sense or were you like what I mean I guess it sounds like it took a while to sort of reconcile 
being involved in these studies and then wanting to leave that and put that aside. But I just wonder what was going on musically for you. Um, you know, I think so. A numerologist at the spa that I worked at gave me a reading for my birthday once, and he told me like, "Okay, you came here to do it all, and you will, but one thing at a time." And I remember he told me that, and I was like, well, okay, I can do music, philosophy, and, like, build this oracle deck of cards that I'm working on at the same time, you know what I mean? Like, And then I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just do music and philosophy. And then I was just like, oh, okay, I don't have a choice. It's just music. Um, it's music. And That's a good lesson yeah. <laughs> for all of us. Yeah. 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 One, one thing at a time, you mm-hmm. know? And um, honest to God, the day that I made that decision is the day that my manager contacted me out of the blue. I know it sounds crazy, but it I swear. It is crazy. <laughs> I swear. So I was just like... Had you made the decision just yourself or had you said it out loud? I told my roommate at the time. I was just like, um, I got it. That shit is real. It's real. Yeah. It's crazy. So, <laughs> so, so the trains felt, are like... You know, the, tra- the trains are going along. One train is here. You're studying philosophy. It's getting more and more intense. You're coming up to finals. You're doing this independent study and it's like mm-hmm. all bubbling up. Simultaneously... You're learning guitar. You're exactly. writing new songs. Yeah. Recording little demos. Recording for the first demos, time. posting them. Yeah. And the confluence of events happens. Yeah. It's just like meant to be. Yeah. I was really pushed in a certain direction. And yeah. I guess once, once I, you know, went for it, um, the whole thing just felt so supported. It was kind of undeniable. You know, it was, it was incredibly undeniable for me. I was just like, oh, okay, this is very obvious. And as much as I don't, I didn't at the time have the sense of perspective on it that I do now, I did have a certain sense of, okay, maybe all of this, just this really difficult period that I'm going through is, is for, is for a reason, you know, Mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm, I'm a reason kind of person. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a meaning finding wacko. If yeah. I need to be, that's what, that was the problem. Um, so uh, the manager saw your music on Facebook, but how did he know to go to your page? Um, I had met him at a citizen cope concert a few years, um, before that. Um, just like finagling my way backstage with friends yeah. Okay. And then we always because I want to connect the touch. dots for anyone listening and wondering. Okay, like I put my stuff on Facebook, <laughs> right. but nobody's right. seeing it. Yeah. So like, awesome. like, let's show them exactly how it works. And when you say Facebook, do you mean YouTube then to Facebook? Um, uh, how did I post them? To and was Facebook? it was it video or was it just the like GarageBand tracks? I think I posted. It was Bandcamp. It was Bandcamp. You put okay, so you recorded stuff, put it on Bandcamp, yeah. and then posted links to that on yeah. Facebook. Okay. Getting this straight because it's not MySpace anymore, you know? It's it like MySpace. It's really MySpace. Yeah. Um, okay, because I was curious about, I wondered if you had made videos, but it was really just just these recordings. Yeah. So you post them on Facebook, then this manager whom you had met years prior. Years prior. And then we always kept in touch. And if he was in town um, with, you know, with one of his bands or, or something like that, he would hook us up with tickets and things. He's so awesome. some part <laughs> of you a few years before that had been trying to give you this exit in case you wanted it later. Right. In some way. Oh, we don't have to Not exit. Well, exit from misery. Yeah, no, totally. Well, you were thinking ahead that you, I mean, you always knew that this was a 
part I'm of saying, it. I have the you concert know what you want even when you don't know what you want. Saved yes. from that day because yes. I'm just like, dude, that day was quite the day that I met him. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that changed. I think about we went to that show because we went to this music festival, Rothbury Music Festival with my friends and we saw Citizen Cope there and like had such a, you know, we're like, oh man, this is amazing. The music festival was like the first one I ever went to. <laughs> and then when he came into town, my friends were like, hey, that guy that we saw at that festival's in town and we like almost didn't go, found tickets on Craigslist um, and like at the last minute ended up going. Um, yeah. So you really have, yeah, you really have this <sighs> Come <on>. person to <laughs> point to and this action that you did. I yeah. mean, um, He's like my angel. Wow. So, so what is, year What year was that, that he reached out to you about the 2012, Facebook? Okay. I think. Yeah, 2012. I want to know exactly what went down. So, uh, so. Can you please pull up those old messages, <laughs> right? And he can come in here and do a live reading. <laughs> so you're like yeah. in your dorm room. Yeah. And well, no, my apartment. Oh, your apartment. I in somehow Chicago. never lived a in a dorm. Okay, right. I totally. never lived in a dorm. I, I'm like, I'm just the type of person that always kind of weirdly skips events that you're supposed. Like, I never took a driver's test, but they just gave me my license. Oh god, which I shouldn't what? say. Dorm. I was going to say public. cool, good for you, but yeah. license. I don't know. <laughs> I do not approve of that on this podcast. <laughs> Get your license, kids. Earn it. Um, um, okay, so you're in your apartment. Yeah. You get a Facebook message, email, Fa- an email. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Victoria. He was like, hey, why didn't you ever tell me you write songs? Come to New York. I have a friend that has um, a studio, and I can help you make some some great recordings. He didn't know that you wrote songs? What did no. he know about you? Um, what, why were you guys keeping in touch? Um, um, I don't know. We were just, I don't know, like him, him just and like my... just like a friendly... Yeah, just, just a friendly oh, thing. Funny. And okay. my friends told me, like, right off the bat, they were like, they were like, you should tell Gary, tell him that you write songs, tell him like, and I was just like, no, because I wasn't doing anything with it at that point. I didn't play an instrument. Like I said, I didn't have any demos that I would want to play for him. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to say anything, you know, come on guys. No. And like, they would always say like, you should say something to Gary. Like you should write Gary. And I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I just never, I don't know. I never did, but I didn't need to, I guess. Right. So then he invited you to come to New York. Yeah. And he said, I'll, I'll put together a little band for you and record. Yeah, he put together an amazing band. And, um, Are those the guys that you're playing with now? Yeah. Wow. So that was, how long ago was that? Um, three years ago. Yeah. Well, when he first contacts you and says, hey, I didn't know you write songs. <laughs> you're not ready to move past No, <laughs> because it's just so, it's so dreamy. You know? I, it, it's was like, so, it was incredibly it's dreamy. Incredible. And how long do you know, had you been like, had you been, trying to get these recordings out elsewhere or were you just like all right facebook like if the universe is ready to extend that hand yeah. back to me then they will or it, it was sort i of- also kind of felt like in in the meantime i was i was playing all these open mics i just started playing actual shows in in chicago and i was like you know getting it together you know just kind of getting learning to actually be able to play the guitar you know um and solo shows or yeah, solo shows. Every now and then I would have a, a guitarist accompany me or something like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess it had only, it was less than a year that I was, you know, putting it out there. Um, and yeah, he picked up on it and I was just like, okay, don't freak out. Yeah. Okay, this could just be just like a little thing. But then like, of course, there was a part of me that was like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Was your dad now like, who you is this guy? Actually- Let me vet this right, guy. That's What's his the name? Thing. <laughs> yeah, especially, I mean, 
you hear about these things and, <laughs> and the number of times that they actually are as good as they <laughs> right. present themselves to be. I mean, well, he just, you know, like I, we, we had a, known each other for a few years at that point just like he's he's just one of those people that he's a helper man like he just helps out anyone and i'm not just saying this because he is probably listening but he helps out you know he he helps people out i had like one of my friends who was a fashion designer he would like connect him with someone he just like he's a connector like he's really good at at i don't know just great. hooking hooking it up and he's incredibly generous and I just knew he was he was an awesome guy, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, so I, I I I there was no hesitation. I think maybe my parents were like, oh, "Okay, Victoria sounds nice," you know, like don't get yourself in any trouble. Right. <laughs> um, but then I remember I went and we just had one day where we recorded two songs, and I sent them to my dad, and he was like, "Victoria, who's that producer?" He's like, "Stick with that producer." <laughs> He's awesome. like. Okay. Like, I think he was very shocked. He didn't think that it was going to be, you know, I thought he was, I don't know what he was expecting, but I think it wasn't what we got. Yeah. Which I think we were all pretty excited about. And the musicians that you play with, yeah. they've been around for a while, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they have a lot more experience under their belt. and They're like cats. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, were you nervous to lead a band like that? Um. Yeah, it was... It's a funny place coming in and being like, okay, these are my songs and this is my project, but you guys know so much more than me and are, you know, in a lot of ways, such deeper musicians than I am. Um, but, you know, it luckily just worked out where they're, they're so, they were all so cool that I just, I would play a song for them and they're like, okay, how about this? And they'd start playing and we're like, okay, let's hit record. And that's how we made like the first half of the the record. And I was just so psyched to be having, you know, it sounded great to me. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. Let's keep going. You know, it was just, I wasn't expecting at, at you know, at any point soon at that point that I would have musicians like that playing yeah. my music. So it just, I went with it, you know. What songs were out, had you written by that time? Almost all of them. Yeah, almost all of them, except with the exception of um, a f maybe like three or four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So let's talk about the sound that you've cultivated. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's some kind of country kind of steel thing that's happening. <laughs> that Did that exist for you before you hooked up with that band? You know... I've always I've always sang with a little bit of a twang. I yeah. don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. Um, at one point when I was in college, I did uh, have a little moment in Nashville working with this really awesome musician there. I was going to um, ask if you spent time. Yeah, um, just just writing with him a little bit. But then that was like a little like too country for me. Mm -hmm. So again, I kind of it fizzled out for me. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a little bit. It's a little bit country. I don't know why. But you also I love country music. No, it's great. Yeah. You described it I read somewhere as indie pop rock with yeah. a country lean. Yeah. I love lean. I love country yeah, lean. lean. That's nice. Yeah, cuz it's not you wouldn't really Yeah. But cuz Dar is in a band that also oh. describes themselves as indie pop sometimes. Uh-huh. And and so now I wonder like if you guys can teach me about what makes something <laughs> indie pop. I mean, <laughs> I think like honestly, I just started using that label cuz like it's pretty poppy, but you say pop to most people and they think Britney Spears. Exactly. You know, and it's not that. Yeah, it's broader so, than we 
think it is, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it's a little bit roughed up, a little yeah. rougher than that. I think I mean, I mean, there's just so many labels and labels on the labels yeah. and genres on genres. What is a genre? It's, it's, I don't know, and I think it's it's a tricky and almost unfair and confining thing to ask a musician to do it, even though it's natural and makes yeah. sense to do uh-huh. it. But, I mean, I think, because indie is like a really... I don't understand. You know, well, I, I, I think it, it's also one of those things where unless you're like setting out to, you know, cop some sort of sound or like you're like, oh, I want to I, I feel really inspired by this record. I lo- I'd love to make something that kind of had this sort of vibe. It, it's even harder to place. And when it's your own music, you're like, when I write these songs, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to write a killer, you know, blues tune or whatever. I'm <laughs> right. I mean, are you sub- conscious of that at all? I, no, I'm just straight up so. singing no. whatever I get. You know what I mean? It's there's like, like, you don't really get to sub, choose. There's a subgenre called sad core. <laughs> yeah. Like, which just like implies like a kind of emo, like shoegazy kind yeah. of, and I, yeah. alt country. Like there's like alt everything. There's mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, I guess so some I think people so, would call this record help. alt country. I right. Guess. And it does, it, it actually, well, on the one hand, it can be sort of, annoying to be put in a box it is sort of defining and it does and it can help be and, it's, and it can yeah. be helpful so I think that the I think the alt country and I've heard you or I don't know if it's you or if it's other people ascribing this to your music but um comparing it to like um Alanis and Natalie Merchant yeah um as opposed to more sort of more in the 2000s era sort of like a feist or cat power uh-huh. um uh uh, who else? Like the Weepies, I kind of think of. Totally. Yeah. Bird and the Bee. So it's like, I don't know. How is your music absorption happening these days? Do you, because <laughs> Jesse and I were talking recently about there's sort of a point at which a, an adult or young adult sort of hits the limit and you sort of are just like stuck at a point of, of listening to your music that you know and that just yeah. speaks to you and it's sort of then you have to work a little bit harder to get the new stuff uh-huh. and so I'm wondering if you feel this way of like well Natalie Merchant and Alanis and all of these people from maybe 10 15 years ago are sort of what you still still think of as part of your inspiration or are, there, are you listening to brand new stuff all the time and how do you get your new stuff that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm I'm constantly listening to all different kinds of things um, and new things, old things. My fiance is a jazz pianist. Um, I see a lot of live jazz. Like <laughs> honestly, like sometimes four nights, five nights a week because he plays in so many different bands. So I'm living in New York is amazing. There's so much music, but I'll I'll go to see him play constantly. And a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm seeing music that I otherwise wouldn't be, you know, checking out necessarily. So are you be- becoming a jazz head now? Um, I, I can't say that because I'm like surrounded by real jazz heads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so no, but I, I really like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I, I, How do I find, you know, people recommend things. You see things online, on blogs yeah. and... Um, there's not like one way. Spotify, you know, you know? I hate I hate to say it, Is but it? Spotify can can kind of lead you down some good rabbit holes mm-hmm. of like, if you like this artist, you might like this artist, you know. Is your album going to be on Spotify? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is. <laughs> yeah. In other words, you don't have any feelings, any strong emotions or feelings against. I mean, streaming at this point, you know, I kind of gotta. Yeah. Kind of gotta do what you gotta do. Um, which it's more pro for me feels con, like I guess right? spot. Yeah, I'm, at, th- I'm at this point, pro. at this point, f- 
for me. Yeah. yeah. And, I, yeah. and I, I'm a subscriber. Yeah. You know, there you go. I try to I try to buy records with you know if there's something that I'm listening to a ton I'm like all right I'm gonna buy this one yeah and we have a record player at home I was too, gonna so. say are you a vinyl person you know yeah yeah I guess yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> okay like everyone kind of is it. these days yeah yeah well there's like the Urban Outfitters kind yeah and then there's well I started off as that kind yeah okay in college. Well, that was your gateway you got to start somewhere yeah exactly right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it brought you to a good place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then are you starting a record label too? Um, well, I mean, because it's technically an independent release, we, you, you kind of got to give it a label. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I guess. Okay. Botanica Records. I just, I read that. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Why not? Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, but what does that mean exactly then? Um, you know, I don't really know. Okay. Honestly, I th- I think it's just it, it could go anywhere. You know, if at some point I do want to start signing artists to my label, I don't if if I had the money at one point, which I don't currently have. When you have the money, yeah. When I've got the money, <laughs> I'm gonna but sign so you're a whole bunch the of money. artists to my label, Botanica Records. So your yeah. your team is self distributing and um, no, we're distributing through uh, Sony Red. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then we we got some some support and from a private investor too. So nice. we got a you know we were pretty fortunate just with the way things unfolded with this, where we we got a lot of support behind it and we have a big platform to release it on. Awesome. Um, but I'm technically the person releasing it, so yeah, wow. yeah, it's a Great. good situation. And yeah, you, be your own boss. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, you had toured Europe last year, or was it the yeah. year before? So like you wrote all these songs, recorded them, and then <laughs> sorry, they're looking at me in there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I wrote. I mean, we were, we finished the record, and then the plan was to just like try and find a really good platform to release it on, um, and kind of shop it around a, a little bit. Um, but in the meantime, I ended up on the Citizen Cope tour, opening up all these dates. So that kind of got put on the back burner a little bit. Um, and I ended up doing about like 30 dates. Oh, so the, in Spain and Mexico, that's well, that was all there? that was all US, US. And then um, at one point, I booked a show in Paris and a really awesome show with um, this group called Club LFSM. It's like a, a women's geared music festival um, that they put on, but they also do shows, I think, once a month at um, this awesome venue there in Paris. So I, yeah, I, I booked that show and was like, all right, well, let's build a little bit of a tour around it. So I played some shows in Barcelona nice. also, yeah. So are you going back there for the new album? Do you um, know yet? That's, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully at some So it's going to be a crazy 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I'll <laughs> Good take kind it, of crazy. Yeah, I'll take it. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you for taking us through that. Yeah. And now you're going to perform a song for us, oh, right? Oh, okay. yeah, I am. I um, what, are you, what are you guys going to play? <laughs> Um, we're going to play uh, my song called Nothing to Lose. Off of the new album, Chariot, which when this podcast posts, I think will be out. So now you can go listen to it, guys, <laughs> and buy it and, uh, and enjoy this performance. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It was so great talking to you guys. <laughs> Sleep and fear the 
before I wake. Shield me from disease, set my restless mind at ease. You got no clue what is at stake. And I went to the doctor just to see if he would tell me that everything was wrong. 'Cause strange things have shown themselves to me, makes me wonder just how we might fare along. Hope we've got is these bones that were.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.